Welcome along to the Southampton audio programme for the Carabao Cup fixture against Sheffield Wednesday. In today's programme, we have our usual feature piece interview. First up with Theo Walcott, an update on the Southampton women's team and a look at Darren Moore's Sheffield Wednesday side. There's not much Theo Walcott has not seen in his 17-year professional career as he closes in on 600 matches for club and country. But a World Cup in the middle of the season is a new one. Now, the former teenage sensation, who was thrust into the limelight before he was ready for it, explains how his own experiences can help Saints' raft of young talent maximise their enormous potential. Theo Walcott has been a professional footballer for more than half of his life, but even for a man with more than 500 career appearances to his name, the 2022-23 campaign represents a dip into uncharted territory. Even to Walcott, who arrived on the scene as a 16-year-old saint back in 2005, the idea of a six-week break in the middle of the season is unprecedented. It's my first time having such a short start to the season, he says. You get the odd winter break, but that's been in February. This one seems very different because you just feel like you're starting to feel your fitness levels in the right place. Perhaps it comes at a worse time than most for the 33-year-old who ended his 11-month wait for a Premier League start on Sunday against Newcastle. Now, after a long fight to reclaim his place, he's back to square one. After this weekend's trip to Liverpool, Saints do not return to action until Boxing Day. Obviously, we haven't had some great performances and great results, so maybe this is a very good time for us to have a mini pre-season, he reasons. But it just feels a bit strange to be stopping the season, squeezing into a lot of games. The reason for the extended pause, of course, is the World Cup, which gets underway just one week after Europe's top leagues draw to a close. That brings its own problems, Walcott feels. There will be a lot of players playing games, thinking, I don't want to get injured, he says. I get it, players are trying to protect themselves, but when you try and protect yourself, that's when you go in half-hearted and get injured. You would have players who wouldn't want to play. I wouldn't blame them. Bizarrely, in an international career of 47 caps spending 10 years, Walcott only went to two major tournaments, notably excelling against Sweden in Euro 2012, when he was introduced as a substitute with England 2-1 down, before equalising himself and setting up the winner for Danny Welbeck with a trademark burst to the byline. But it was his wildcard entry into Sven-Goran Eriksson's 2006 World Cup squad that 17-year-old Walcott shot to fame, thrust into the limelight for a tournament in which England exited at the quarter-final stage, without their untried teenager kicking a ball. Sixteen years later, on the eve of another World Cup, he believes the experience was detrimental to his progress. I've said this in the past, I don't think I should have gone, he states with commendable honesty. If I knew this was going to happen, I would have said, do not take this young man. You can't. Straight away I had to develop in front of the whole world, basically. In England, with the media and everything, I, I couldn't. A lot of the players that come through now are 22, 23. I was 16, 17. I was a kid. They say that about players who are 22, 23, but that they're kids. I'm sorry, but that's not a kid. A kid is a 16, 17-year-old coming into the World Cup in a man's game. My wife as well. We deal with things like paparazzi. They don't get that anymore, really. Paparazzi following them around at 15, 16, trying to get a picture. I don't think anyone is ready for that at that age, just leaving school. I never expected that. If I could change that, I, I genuinely would. But having said all that, it was a mad experience for a family and 
for myself being part of it. At the time of the call-up, of course, Walcott felt like the luckiest boy on the planet. But the reality of that German summer did not follow up the fairy tale script. It's weird because I was just going there to play football, he says. That's all I knew. That's all I wanted to do. And then not to get a chance to play as well when I'm thinking I might play in the last game, the Portugal one. When we went to penalties, that's when I thought I might actually come on here just for something different. But it never happened, which is a bit of a shame. But it's just one of those things I had to live with. I've got a video documentary of me filming myself and the whole thing that I've just kept as a keepsake at home. So it's quite an interesting watch, but I look really young. Really young. Very out of my depth, shall we just say. Perhaps the nature of his headline-grabbing arrival on the world stage means Walcott's achievements in the years that followed lack the recognition they deserve. Not only a long-standing member of the England squad, the winger became his country's youngest hat-trick scorer at 18 and scored more than 100 goals for Arsenal, while he won the FA Cup three times in more than a decade at one of Europe's leading clubs. Back where it all began since his 2020 return to St Mary's via Everton, Walcott recognises his role has changed. While still desperate to contribute on the pitch, he knows his personal experiences, particularly given the scrutiny on his life as a teenager, can provide valuable insight for Saints' raft of young players. Even more so since the club's summer recruitment drive, which saw six new faces arrived aged 20 and under, all of whom have been introduced to the Premier League for the first time in Southampton colours. I've had some really great moments, and that 2006 World Cup is just another moment in my career that I've had to deal with, and dealt with in the best way, in the spotlight consistently, constantly, he explains. I feel like now I would have that influence or that experience to talk to if someone very young, it happened again to them. That's why I like being at Southampton, here with the younger guys coming from big clubs and wherever. I'm like an absolute dictionary of knowledge. They can come to me if they want to. I feel like they're a bit scared of me for some reason, but I'm the nicest guy. I feel like I can guide with what I've experienced and hopefully help them on their paths where they're going to be, for them to be better people and better players. I always like to engage with the person, because if the person wants to learn, they're going to be a fine footballer. It doesn't even have to be football related. If I saw something that I wasn't quite right, I'd go and engage them, just check in. Sometimes that's all it is, just seeing if they're alright, or being that loud character in the dressing room saying the odd thing to help the mood. It's not just me. James Ward-Prowse is the same, Stuart Armstrong, all these guys that are all quite similar in that sense, so we've got a good group. His influence on St. Youth was clear on the pitch just a matter of days ago when Walcott was selected to play for the B team against Middlesbrough's under-21s. Saints fielded a vastly experienced side, including Alex McCarthy, Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Musa Ginepo, as well as promising first-team players like Romeo Lavia, Samuel Adozi and Sikumara. Walcott, to his credit, scored a hat-trick in an 8-1 win. Whilst he'd rather get more minutes in the Premier League, he recognises the importance of setting the right example in everything that he does. I've had some games like this when you've had some players who just don't want to be there, like I shouldn't be playing in this game. But that's not for me. That's not the right attitude, he says sternly. I'm not a player that would be bringing the group down or anything like that because I want the standards to be set at a high standard. You can't have someone like me coming in half-hearted. You can't be like that at all. I've never been like that from day one. I'm someone who works really hard and I wouldn't have played in the Premier League for this long if I didn't care. I do care. I want to improve every day still and there's another role for me at the club at this moment in time.
you're playing football, you want to set the right example, you want to get something out of it. I wanted to get something out of it and I scored a hat-trick. Great. That's the levels where the team were playing, Middlesbrough. I like, wow, that's the level. We're nowhere near where we need to be and the guy's nearly 34. He shouldn't be running rings around us. That's the standard you need to set. Like I said before, with the younger guys coming through and the guys already here, just being that presence and that person that sets the standard in training and in the gym, being the first out in training, all those things. I think it's important just to engage that into the next person who can take over that role whenever that ends. I feel like I haven't played as much, but I've played a role in helping this young group come through. What becomes abundantly clear throughout this 20-minute interview is that Walcott is very much a glass-half-full type character. He warns the younger generation about the dangers of social media, though. I don't see why you need to look at someone's random opinion of a game you've played, he says. Everyone around the club wants you to improve, wants to help you, so they're the best people to talk to, and your family, of course. They're the best people to be around and listen to. I do feel like sometimes we start to go away from that a little bit. Hopefully now we can start to engage in each other a bit more and look for the people who really care and can help. Is he disappointed and frustrated not to have played more? Of course he is. But he refuses to sulk. In fact, he doesn't even feel like he needs to put on an axe. He's just genuinely happy in his job. We play football and we're privileged to play it. And I want to be that role model for my children when I go home, he explains. They want to know how my day was. I want to know how their day is. I always like to take the positive out of their day, and even a negative to an extent. Can they turn it around into a positive? All these things we're still breathing, and that's a positive in itself. There's no problem being positive all the time. Try finding a positive in somewhere and something. I'm coming in each day, thinking like it's my last. I'm really privileged to be here, playing football still, at this age, and for this long in the Premier League, especially at a really good club. I just look at it this way. I'm training with a really good young group, guys I want to be with, and it means a lot to still play football. And I still care. That's the main thing. I always have cared, I still care, and I'll continue to do so until someone tells me I can't. Now it's time in the programme for your Southampton women's update. Wilkinson hat-trick seals another three points. Under the floodlights of St Mary's Stadium on Wednesday, Southampton looked to register a fourth successive league win and a seventh game unbeaten while visitors Coventry United aim to end their first point of the campaign and lift themselves from the foot of the table. Somewhat surprising, given their difficult start in the league, Coventry stunned Southampton exactly one month ago in the Continental Cup, rolling out 2-0 victors over Marianne Spacey Kale's side at Butts Park Arena. Lee Birch's team were impressive that day, but endured a nightmare start on this occasion. It was the tenacity of Katie Wilkinson alone which earned the opportunity, the striker not allowing Coventry to clear their lines, and her own her own luck in doing so as the ball came on to a bouncing ball, resulting from her own initial block. Without hesitation, the striker fired a magnificent right-footed half-volley into the bottom left corner from just outside the box, blasting her side into the lead after just 27 seconds. Coventry were the architects of their own downfall for the second goal 38 minutes later too. Goalkeeper Eleanor Heaps was caught napping on the ball by Pusey, who showed fine awareness to steal and cut a back into the path of Wilkinson. The attacker's initial effort was blocked well by the recovering Heaps, but a second was too powerful to stop. With the visitors pressed against the ropes, Saints remained ruthless, allowing their opponents just four minutes of respite before further extending their advantage. 
This time, it was a delicious cross from fullback Megan Collette, which proved the catalyst, her whipped ball causing havoc as it travelled perfectly between goalkeeper and defence. Heaps was able to get a small touch, but failed to get enough contact to down on the electric Wilkinson, a first-half hat-trick. The striker on hand once again to steer home clinically at the far post shortly before the break. Despite creating fewer goal-scoring opportunities in the second half, Saints' performance remained first-class, Spacey Chaos side dominating possession as the minutes ticked towards further three points. Even in the dying embers of the game, the hosts continued their search for a fourth. Pusey, fed through by substitute Georgie Freeland, fired a strike goalward, but the tight right-sided angle favoured the goalkeeper, who turned behind with their legs for a corner. That corner gave rise to one last chance for Wilkinson, who, from a similar position to Pusey before her, zipped an effort across goal with power and precision, forcing Heaps into perhaps her finest stop of the evening to turn the ball around her far post and contain commentary's deficit to three. A different tactical watch this week over our opponents, Sheffield Wednesday. Once a mainstay of the top flight, it's been 22 years since Sheffield Wednesday were in the Premier League. Following relegation from the top table in 1999-2000, the Owls dropped into the third tier three years later, but returned via the playoffs at the first time of asking. They were back in League One for two seasons in 2010-2011 and 2011-2012, and returned again two years ago, despite a late revival under Darren Moore following his appointment towards the end of the campaign. Moore led Wednesday to the playoffs last term, but they were beaten at the semi-final stage by Sunderland, who also triumphed at Wembley. Expectations are often high at Hillsborough, but this season even more so. One of the favourites to go straight up this season, the Owls have started the new campaign well and sit in third spot at the time of writing, three points off second place Dipswich Town. Moore bolstered his squad in the summer with the signing of Will Vox from Calder City, while also raiding neighbours Rotherham United for Michaels, Ihikwe and Smith. Further experience was snapped up in the shape of former Fulham goalkeeper David Stockdale, who arrived on a free transfer from Wickham Wanderers. The Owls reached the stage of the Carabao Cup thanks to home victories over Sunderland and Rochdale. Dennis Adiranen, who was once on the books of Fulham and Everton, scored in both rounds. Their manager, Darren Moore, was often called one of the nicest men in football, and still is to this day. Darren Moore left his post at Doncaster Rovers to take over at Sheffield Wednesday in March 2021. The Owls sat 23rd in the Championship and Moore's unable to save them from the drop, but has been entrusted with taking Wednesday back to the second tier. A defender in his playing days, Moore spent time at Torquay United, Doncaster, Bradford City, Portsmouth, West Bromwich Albion, Derby County, Barnsley and Burton Albion. He took over as West Brom boss initially on a caretaker basis when they were in the Premier League in April 2018. He couldn't save the club from relegation and was sacked in March 2019 when they were fourth in the Championship. He was named Doncaster boss the following summer. He was born in Birmingham and Moore was also capped twice for Jamaica. At the heart of Moore's team is 32-year-old Barry Bannon. Closing in on 350 appearances in a blue and white shirt, Barry Bannon, aka the Airdrie Perlow, is the man who makes the hours tick. With four goals and five assists to date this term, the Scott made the League One team of the season for the 2021-22 season and won goal of the season as well for his audacious lob against MK Dons. Bannon was on the books of Celtic as a youngster, joining Aston Villa's academy in 2004. He made his senior debut for Fuller four years later and went on to play 83 times for the Midlands side, as well as taking loan spells at Derby County, Blackpool and Leeds United. 
He joined Crystal Palace in 2013 and after a brief loan at Bolton Wanderers, moved to Hillsborough in 2015 and has also been capped 27 times for his home nation, Scotland. 